Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you looking forward to that day? Amen. There will come a day. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm ready for it to happen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Do you love Jesus today? Amen. Praise God. In the bulletin that you have, there is a study guide sheet. Go ahead and pull that out. We'll get into our study guide just momentarily. And uh, let me find the, the, there we go. The Version Bible app, the instructions are, are, if you're using your phone, you can press the uh, more button, lower right hand corner and events. And then on the second page and then tap Cassaview Assembly of God and you'll find uh, the information there. Praise God. If you are an actor in the kids' musical, you're dismissed now to go to the uh, uh, kids' church for rehearsal. And uh, I want to encourage all of our actresses and actors to do that. Amen. If you'd like to be an actor, I think they'll recruit you. Amen. So praise God. I'd like to begin with just a little bit of humor. I heard about a pastor who was going to be gone on a Sunday. And uh, so he asked his associate, his youth pastor, asked him to preach for him while he was gone. The youth pastor hadn't preached very many times, and so he was a little bit new at it. And so, uh, But he was very excited about the opportunity uh, as a staff member to get to preach for the pastor when he's out of town. And so the pastor, when the pastor returned from his uh, one-week excursion, he came across one of his members and he asked the member, he said, well, how did, uh, how did the youth pastor do? How did the associate pastor do last week when he, when he preached? And the member said, oh, pastor, oh, oh, my, oh, my, said it was so poor. Said the sermon, there just wasn't any content in it. There was nothing in it at all. It was very weak. Matter of fact, it's one of the worst sermons I've ever heard. And so... The pastor, uh, you know, he, 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 you know, he, he kind of calmed that down. But, you know, he kind of felt good about himself. Because he was comparing himself to that other guy. A new guy that hadn't had a lot of experience and, I guess, fumbled the ball or something. And so he said, man, I'd say they, they will really think I'm like, you know, uh, really something special around here. Because, man, I, I, I'm so much better than this other guy. And so, and uh, my sermons are so deep, you know. And so... Uh, And then later he saw the associate and he said, uh, well, he said, how did it go last week? And how did the sermon go? And he said, oh, it was excellent. It was just wonderful. He said, I really enjoyed ministry and had so many compliments. And and he said, really? He says, hmm. He said, uh, and and then the the youth pastor, he said, well, to be honest with you, pastor, said, I really didn't have time to prepare much. He said, so I just preached one of your old sermons. Weak content. Never heard worse. Oh, my. Praise God. Well, that was the death of his ego. And speaking of death, how many of you have ever walked or been in a cemetery in your life? I'd say almost every person here, at one time or another, you'll, you'll be in a cemetery. I promise you that. Amen. And either you'll go on your own or somebody will take you there. Amen. And uh, you'll get that tomorrow, I'm sure. I have had an opportunity to visit many cemeteries in my life. 
my mother ran or owned a business when I was in high school, and it was a floral business, a flower shop in a small eastern Oklahoma town. And uh, we had a lot of country cemeteries around. And at certain times, other than funerals, people would, Decoration Day, we call it that, or Memorial Day, or even at, at uh, Christmas time or Easter, that someone would want a wreath or a lily or something or a poinsettia taken out to a grave. And that was one of the services that we provided. And lo and behold, I got to be the delivery boy. Well, at this time of year, the days get shorter. And at 5 o'clock, it's dark in December. And so I'm out there in the middle of a cemetery trying to find John Green or somebody or Bill Jones or somebody's name and uh, have very sketchy directions. But I've got a flashlight and I'm out there searching for these cemeteries, uh, in the cemetery, searching for these, these graves. And let me tell you, when I found that grave, I didn't linger much longer. I was ready to leave that place. And now what... What is it that is most intriguing to us about cemeteries? Well, it's not the mounds of earth that are there. It's not the road that you came on, nor the trees that are, some of them are very lovely trees, and the fountains and wind chimes hanging in, around, and nor is it the flowers. The thing that gets our attention are the names that have been inscribed on the stone monuments. We call them gravestones or tombstones. I've heard them referred to. But it's the, you're looking for a familiar name and someone you recognize. And some may be intrigued by the dates of birth, the earlier births. And, and you who are mathematicians, it's like a challenge to calculate the date of birth and the date of death and figure out how old this person was when they left this earth. And so, but the one thing that is most revealing of who that person was is the inscription on their stone that we would call an epitaph. And it's some phrase that you'll find, and quite honestly, you can find all kinds of phrases on these, on these tombstones or headstones, and uh, some of them are quite hilarious. And uh, I'm not going to go into a list of what those are. You can look up uh, Google and find that, I'm sure. Uh, but in, don't not now, later. And, uh, uh, but like loving father or faithful husband, devoted wife, loving mother, and so forth. But perhaps there is none greater epitaph than the one that would be on Abraham's tomb. Where these words, no doubt could be inscribed, a friend of God. A friend of God. Wow. Our theme for this year is walking with God. And all year long we've been focusing on what that looks like uh, to be a person who walks close to God. And recently we've been studying a series of messages on the life of Abraham. And indeed he was called a friend of God. And he walked with God. And he had challenges. His faith was tested. We studied that recently, how his faith was tested. But it's imperative that we learn how to be a friend of God. And so for a few moments today, I want to talk to you about becoming a friend of God. Becoming God's friend. Abraham indeed was called a friend of God. 
And in several passages of Scripture, it's referenced. One of those is from Isaiah, or Isaiah, as some pronounce it. In Isaiah 41, verse 8, it says, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. And so he, it's called, Abraham was called his friend. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, You are not our God who drove out, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And finally, James chapter 2, and scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So several places in scripture, it has referenced the fact that God called Abraham his friend. Now God's Friendship with Abraham was a process of development that spanned many, many years of a relationship with God, walking with God, fellowshipping with God. This was not just a one-time encounter. And friends, if we're going to be a friend of God, not just that He is our friend, but that we are His friend, it's going to, it's going to be something that's going to take a span of time. And you're going to, it's going to be developed over, you're going to prove yourself loyal and faithful and trustworthy to the Lord. He can count on you. Amen. And so there's a number of things that's involved, but it, it, it's not just a, a, an overnight thing. It's a process, a process of spiritual development in our lives. God actually called Abraham initially to leave a place in the Chaldeans near Babylon to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. So he called him to leave, but the calling of God wasn't what made Abraham his friend. Many people have received a call to follow me, to follow the Lord, and to do any number of things. But just because they were emboldened by the Holy Spirit or beckoned by the Holy Spirit to respond and to follow the Lord, just because they received a call doesn't doesn't make them God's friend. There is much more to becoming a friend of God than just being called or beckoned by the Holy Spirit to respond in a certain way. Actually, God established a covenant relationship with Abraham. And even then, Abraham's understanding of this covenant-making God was very limited He didn't have the full revelation that we have today to understand how awesome, how wonderful, how great God is. He just had just a small encounter. He had met God at a few altars, if you will, and heard a few voices from the Lord. But his understanding was very limited. And as Abraham would face tough times, and he would face obstacles in his life, what I would call real-life situations and circumstances... Then God showed up and God would reveal himself through those circumstances in a new way that that Abraham could understand God. One of those cases was when Abraham's own family was taken captive. Remember that story in chapter 14 of Genesis? How that his own family, part of his own family was taken captive by, by these bands of raiding kings. And Lot was taken, his nephew was taken captive. And and, uh, when Abraham heard about it, he responded, he and his servants, and they went after it. And the Lord brought a tremendous victory. And so he learned a dimension of God's grace that God would be his defender. God would be his protector. God would be his banner. God would be his victor. Praise God. 
He was learning about God as he walked through challenging times. And I submit to you, friends, that God will bring us to challenging times too. Hello. And as we go through challenging times and we prove ourselves to be trustworthy and we depend upon God and we and God comes through for us that we can grow in our relationship to the Lord and we will become stronger in our relationship with Him. Amen. And friendship begins to develop over time. Another time when Abraham feared for his own life when he entered Egypt and he lied about his wife and said, she is my sister, in order to save his life, because he knew that they'd kill him and take his wife. And, and uh, they did take his wife, but God intervened. And he protected Sarah, and he also protected Abraham. And when they left Egypt, they left with a lot more than they came with. Amen. And so he learned another revelation, more and more about God, as he experienced life. Amen. So God chooses... To use real life, hard times, situations, circumstances in order to shape and develop the character of the man or woman that he would call his friend. Amen. If God's purpose, his plan, his method is to shape individuals like Abraham through these real life situations... My question is, what do you think God's purpose is, His plan, His method is going to be in your life and my life? And I submit to you, God is going to use real life circumstances, challenges, tough times, trials, tests, in order to shape us and mold us and so that we will put our confidence and our hope and our trust in Him. Have you ever been through a tough time? Amen. Rejoice. Rejoice. God is going to use that in order to for you to develop a greater level of dependency on Him. Amen. You know, we are so self-sufficient. We want to do it all our way, do our own thing. But God says, no, I want you to learn to trust on me. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me. And then I'm going to remove every obstacle from your path. I'm going to make your path straight. Praise God. Well, that's a word from the Lord. Amen. And so, as we go through real life situations, real life circumstances... God is going to reveal Himself to you. You're going to learn more about God. He's going to learn more about you. Amen. And as you learn to trust Him, as you learn to depend upon Him in those circumstances, in those hard times, in those trials, in those tests, guess what's going to happen? You will grow deeper in your friendship with God. Praise God. Now, I wish that... He would have chosen a different way. Amen. I don't like hard things. I don't like difficulties. I don't like trials and tests. None of us do. But they're for our benefit. Amen. And that's how we grow. That's how we're made strong. So it's essential that we learn to trust and depend on Him in those circumstances so that our relationship, our friendship with Him will be deepened. Amen. Well, 
What does it mean, Pastor Marcus, to become a friend of God? I'm glad you asked that because that's my next point on my outline. Amen. Now, let me say this. It's one thing for you and I to call God our friend. But it's quite another thing for God to call you His friend. How you know there's a world of difference? Amen. There's a lot of people today who would say, oh yeah, God's my friend. But I wonder how many of us God would say, yeah, Sister Long said she's my friend. Amen. Barbara Miskell, yeah, she's my friend. Amen. I hope he'll say Marcus Alexander, he's my friend. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So the question is not so much, is God your friend? But rather... Are you God's friend? Well, how do you know if you are? How do you really know if you are a friend of God? Well, I believe that there are some common distinguishing marks in natural life when we talk about friendships that I believe we can apply to our relationship with God. I I believe that we can make that analogy from man to God and try to get a little bit of truth in it. So here are seven distinguishing marks of friendship that I believe we can also apply to our relationship with God. One of the first things that that if you're going to have a friend, uh, a friend is someone who you enjoy spending time with. Hello? Amen? And uh, I wonder how much time that we're spending... In the presence of God. Hello. I mean, really, if you want God to be your friend and you want to be a friend of God, wouldn't you think that needs to be a priority in your life? And I'm just talking about Sunday morning only. Hello. How about every day? Every day you're spending time in His presence. Now, what does that look like? Well, I think it might look like praise and worship. Amen. It might look like I'm going to talk to you, Lord. I'm just going to have fellowship with you. And you're talking to the Lord. And it doesn't just have to be at 8.05 in the morning or whatever it is. It can be all day long. You're just in the presence of God, talking to the Lord, talking to the presence of the Holy Spirit, who incidentally is here on the earth. Holy Spirit, He's here. Amen. Praise God. He wants to be your best friend, your best companion. Amen. And as you go to commute to work, if you're still working... Uh, and and uh, no one's in the car with you. It's a wonderful time to have intimacy with God. Turn on the worship CD. Put on the, the uh, MP3 from your phone of, of Sunday's message and and uh, get refreshed again. I've done that a few times. Uh, I've preached a few sermons to myself a few times. Amen. And uh, praise God. Just feed your spirit, man. What are you doing? You're just spending time with God. Amen. Of course, we didn't mention reading the Word. Get into the Word. Hear the Word. Amen. Well, that's practical. Another thing that if you have a friend and you want to develop friendship, do you realize that a friend will recognize their friend's voice and that when their friend talks to them, they will tune in to what their friend is saying when you speak? Absolutely. The other day I called Marcia. She had to take her, her car in for something and... and uh, uh, I had, had called her, she called me or something, but I was on my cell phone, I was outside with Trixie, we were doing our little daily routine there, and uh, walking around the block, and and so when I finished hanging up with Marcia, I, I pressed, you know, the button to 
close the, the phone conversation out. My phone does weird things from time to time. And I observed and I heard an audible ringtone. It was calling somebody else. Now, on the screen, I couldn't tell you who I was calling. But at the top, I could tell you there's a little phone and it was green. And it was calling somebody. It was early in the morning. And I'm thinking, I wonder who I'm calling. I didn't know. There was no name, no ID or anything. And then I heard somebody answer. Heard a voice. Said, hello. And I, I, I spoke to the phone. I didn't know who I was talking to. I said, hello. This is a, I said, I'm so sorry that my phone called you. Said, it was an accident. And uh, please forgive me. And the voice said, uh, oh, that's okay or something. Then I, I recognized that person by call, because I know their voice. And then I really apologized. (laughs) Amen. And said, oh, I'm so sorry, and you sound so sleepy, and just go back to bed. And they did. Amen. Praise God. And that person's not here today, by the way. I did. (laughs) Now, I have accidentally called some of you. I I know that. And uh, praise God. You might have known it it was an accident at the time, but believe me, my phone does strange things. Praise God. And, uh, well, the point I wanted to make is, is that because I had developed a relationship with that individual, I was able to discern and recognize that person's voice just after hearing. If Marcia is in another room or she's a, or in a, in a, in anywhere, I, I, she could be down the hall of the church or something. I could be in my office and I'll hear her laugh. I, I know, well, Marcia's in the building. She's laughing. I, I can tell. I recognize because I know her, and she knows me, or a cough or a sneeze. There are certain things that, that we do that, that we recognize, and, and it's that way with God. God, if we are with Him, and we have a relationship with Him, and, and all of a sudden I call out to the Lord, and I say, Lord, I need your help. And He says, hmm, well, that's Sister Long's voice. I know her voice. Aren't you thankful? That the Lord knows your voice. Hallelujah. And how did he know her voice? Oh, because she's been with him every day, right? Amen. Spending time in his presence. Praise God. Friends, if you want to be a friend of God, amen, then talk to the Lord. Commune with him on a regular basis so that he will know your voice. Praise God. Another thing that we observe in friendship on the earth, but we can apply this, is that a friend will trust you. If you're their friend and they're your friend, there's a level of trust. And that if you say you're going to be there to pick them up at the airport at a certain time, I mean, you're going to be there because you're their friend. They can trust you. They're not going to be on the si- out on the sidewalk very long waiting. Or if something happens, they're going to text you or call you or let you know that uh, they're stuck in traffic, but they'll be there sooner or later. Amen. There's a level of trust that has developed before, between friendships because uh, you are have been faithful. You have you have proved yourself to be faithful. I wonder if God can look at us and say, yeah, that person is faithful. They're faithful to read the Word of God. They're faithful to worship me. They are faithful. How about to come to the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. And so if we're really going to develop a relationship with God, a friendship relationship with God, one of the things that we have to develop is this faithfulness to God. 
Amen. Another characteristic of friendship is that a true friend will love and, and will give without expecting anything in return. You know, some people, they give and expect something in return, but a true friend, they just give because they love. They just love it, and, and whether or not you ever give anything back, it, that's not the reason they give. They give because they love. Amen. And I really liken that to our worship, is that we worship God not because we're expecting God to do something back for us. I mean, that's a, He does. Amen. But we worship the Lord and we lift up our hearts and we sing to the Lord and we lift up our hands and we rejoice in the Lord because we love God and we're just in love with Him and we're just, we just want to have fellowship with Him. Amen. And some of us even give offerings, free will offerings to the Lord or support missions or whatever. It's not that we're expecting anything back, but you will get something back. Because that's the principle of God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will the Lord pour out blessings upon you. Amen. But that's not our, our, our heart attitude is we're giving out of love to the Lord, to the work of God. And another thing that we see in friendship is this area of priority in the fact that a friend, if you have a need... Your friend will make himself available to help you. If any way he possibly can, he'll rearrange his schedule and he'll make sure that you are number one on the list. Because it's a priority. That relationship is a priority. Amen. A lot of people have other things as number one in their life. and uh, But God has you number one in his life if you're his friend. Man, I want to be a friend of God. I want to be his number one priority. Amen. Praise God. And a friend will also not hesitate to respond to you if you have a need. I mean, it's dependability. You can depend on a friend. Praise God. And then one more I want to mention, and that is the area of sacrifice, that a friend is willing to sacrifice everything for you. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Wow. No matter the cost. And so there are seven marks of friendships. And I'll come back to this as I close in just a few moments. But let me mention again. How does one become a friend of God? And there are a few things I want to mention. One of those is that to become God's friend. We first must invite God to be our friend. And we do that when we talk to him. Sometimes we call that prayer, but basically prayer is just talking to God. Just like I'm talking to you, you're talking to God. Your spirit's talking to His spirit, and you're connecting there. But to become God's friend, you have to talk. If I'm going to have friendship with another person, we're going to have to communicate. We're going to have to talk. We're going to have to have fellowship. And so that's the, the, number, that's the first step. The first level of friendship with God is this conversational level where you're talking to God. That's where it starts. Is conversation. And it's important to have conversation. If you want to have friends, somebody said, then be what? That's it. Be friendly. Amen. You'll never have any friends if you're not friendly. And you have to talk to a person for them to become your friend. And the same thing is true with God. Have you been talking to God? That's my question. Have you been talking to God? It's more than just talking. It also involves listening. Listening to God. 
Are you listening to God? Some of you are having a struggle. You're listening to this sermon. <laughs> I understand that. Amen. But that's part of the conversation is that the Lord speaks through His Word and He'll use a servant like a, a teacher or a pastor to proclaim God's Word. And that's the way that He speaks to us, one of the ways. And But we have responsibility to make sure that we're listening. We're listening to the Word of God. We're tuning in. We're not being distracted by other things. And, and we're listening to the Word. I heard about a little boy. Uh, and, and Zig Ziglar writes about it in his book, See You at the Top. And uh, I've told this story many times. There's a little boy, and he was in his family, had a house, and they lived up on the mountaintop, and there was a, a deep valley near there. And the little boy got mad at his mother, and he ran out of the house and slammed the door, screen door, and ran out to the edge of the hill uh, of the mountain. And he yelled, I hate you. And it echoed, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. He'd never heard an echo before. It scared him. And he ran back into the house and threw his arms around the knees of his mother. He said, Mommy, there's a mean little boy in the valley and he hates me. Well, mothers who are like omniscient almost, you know, they know all things, right? And so she said, oh, honey, says, here, let, let's go talk to that mean little boy. And so she led her little son out to the edge of the hill. Where did this happen? Right here. Where was that mean little boy down there? He said, now, real loud, tell that mean little boy you love him. You love him. And you know what happened? I love you. And then he heard, I love you. I love you. I love you. And that little boy discovered that day that there was a nice little boy in the valley who loved him. Amen. And Zig Ziglar goes on to say that life is an echo. That what you send out comes back. What you send out comes back. How true. How true. So first of all, we've got to talk to our friend, amen, and be friendly, amen. And what we send out, guess what? It's going to come back. Glory to God. And secondly, not only must we talk with God, we need to believe, to trust Him, to have faith in Him. Amen. Have confidence in, his, in Him. James chapter 2 and verse 23, Scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. What did he do? Not only did he talk to God, he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Praise God. We have to believe. To make God our friend, we must trust Him. Trust is just simply believing, simply having faith, having confidence in God. Abraham became the friend of God by completely trusting God. And friends, the way that we will become a friend of God is by completely trusting God. Amen. Through talking to God, through believing in, in God. And as a result of that, Scripture says it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so the righteousness of God, you say, what's that? That's just being in right relationship. That's all it means. Being in right relationship. The righteousness of God was imputed or deposited into Abraham's account. 
Simply because he trusted in God. He had faith in God. He believed God. Amen. And the same thing happens to us when we believe God. When we trust in God. When we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. The same thing happens to us. Romans chapter 10 describes it. That if you will talk to God. Confess. That's it. Talking to God. Confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus And secondly, believe in your heart. That's putting your confidence in God. Trusting in God. Having faith in God. That God has resurrected Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. That's righteousness. That's righteousness. For with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness. Right relationship with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. However, if you want to be a friend of God... There's more. There's more? Absolutely there's more. There's a whole lot of people that have talked and said a prayer to God. And many will claim that they believe in God, but they are not a friend of God. There is more to becoming a friend of God than simply speaking and confessing and believing. Well, Pastor Marcus, what could it be? See, talking and believing alone is not enough. You need more. Write it down. To become God's friend, we must obey God, hello, and do what He says. That's the difference between those who are a friend of God and those who are not a friend of God. They're believers, they're Christians, they're just not a friend of God. Not everyone that's written in your Bible was a friend of God. There's a few that were. There's many names that are listed here, but only a few that are listed and called a friend of God. I want to be one of those few. I don't know about you. Amen. But the key, the difference is, Obey obedience and doing what he says. In James chapter 2, do you remember that our... This New Living Translation. Do you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God, that's righteousness, by his actions? Oh my. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith, his belief, and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted it as righteousness because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. I love this passage that Jesus gives us in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15 and verse number 14, I love this passage. Jesus said, you are my friends. Hello, I like that part, but it's if, if you do whatever I command. So he qualifies it. Now notice there are five words in this verse I have underlined. Let me just pause and walk through each one of these words because there's something to unpack from this verse, from each of these words. The first word is my, you are my. When we talk about Jesus says you are my, it means that we are Possessed by the Lord. 
We, are, we belong to the Lord is what I'm trying to say. We, we are my friends. You are my friends. You belong to me. And so you are my is not just any relationship. It is a personal, real, deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. You are my friends. Are, are you interested in becoming a friend of Jesus? Oh, praise God. Well, then he tells us further in this verse, you are my friends. You are my friends if... Oh, there it is, that word that we so often overlook. If... And that means that there is a condition of response on our part that is going to be required. You are my friends if there's something we have to do. And then he says, if you do, you are my friends if you do, which obviously speaks of following and obeying and doing what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. And matter of fact, uh, it's so important that Jesus said there will be many in the last days that will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and uh, haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? And, and haven't we done miracles in your name? And, and he'll say, I don't even know who you are. He says, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who, what, does, does the will of my Father in heaven. James also declared in chapter 2, verse 17, thus also faith by itself without works is dead. So for Abraham to say that he believed God when God called him out of Ur of Chaldees and, and uh, he didn't gather his family and he didn't follow the Lord, well, that's not faith. It's faith by his obedient acts is what proved him to be a friend of God. A friend of God would never fail to obey the Lord's commands. And then he says, you are my friends if you do. And the next word is whatever. Now, when you talk to a teenager and you ask them something, a lot of times they'll respond and roll their eyes and say, well, whatever. That's not what we're talking about here. That's the wrong whatever. What we're saying is, if he asks you to do anything, whatever it is, you must be willing to do that. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Whatever, a friend does not hesitate regardless of the request. Even at the cost of his own life. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love hath no one than this. That to lay down his life for his friends. In 1 John three sixteen, It says we know that what real love is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And God's whatever with Abraham was indeed to go to a mountain, I will show you, and offer your only son Isaac on this mountain as a sacrifice to God. And at that time, we studied it last week, he didn't know why God was asking him to do this. He didn't understand it. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know exactly where he was going except to a mountain range and God was going to show him when he got there. But Abraham knew who. He knew who he, and he responded in faith and obedience to whatever God asked him to do. And friends, the whatever response, that's the response of the friend of God. It's not the kind that a teenager gives in defiance, but rather it is God, whatever you want me to do. Not my will, but thy will be done. Are you willing to respond to whatever he asks you to do. I wonder if there's anything in your life that you are withholding from God. 
That he's asking you to surrender that area to your life and you're withholding it from God. Let me tell you, Abraham withheld nothing from him. And as a result, God did not withhold his blessings from Abraham. Some would say, well, Lord, I'll give you everything except my music. I've got to have my tunes. I've got to jive, you know. Oh, my Lord, get a break. Surrender it to God. Amen. Lord, I'll give you everything but my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I'll give it all to you, Lord, except my relationship. No, God wants it all. It's not I'll give you everything but. No, it's Lord, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to give it to you. Well, you know, Pastor, it's this tithing thing. You mention every once in a while, this tithing thing. Pastor, why'd you get on that? What are you holding back from God? Whatever He's asking you to do, do it. Do it. Because a true friend will not hold anything back from God. A true friend, friend of God, will withhold nothing from God. Whatever He asks you to do. Amen. And this phrase in this verse, you are my friends, if you do whatever. And then the last phrase is, whatever I command you. As God, we should consider all of His words as commands, not as suggestions. If we love Him, we will keep His commands. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments keeps them. And he, he loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father. And I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. I hold in my hands the Word of God. The revelation of God. The commands of God. And if you are a friend of God, we will study the Word of God. We will heed to the commands in the Word of God. But most importantly, we will obey and keep His commands. Amen. But if you're walking in disobedience to God's Word, you're not going to become a friend of God. I can promise you that right now. It's only those who obey His commands. Those are the ones that's going to move from just being a believer to really being a friend of God. I challenge you today to line up your life with the Word of God. Become a friend of God. Amen. Well, quickly now, what are the results of being a friend of God? There are at least three results. First of all, blessings, blessings. Anybody here want a blessing? Oh, praise God. Blessings come. In the the book of Galatians, several verses of Scripture, it says, For all who put their faith in Christ, that's when you ask Jesus in your heart, you also share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Amen. And then secondly, not only do you receive blessings, but you actually become an offspring of Abraham in the spiritual realm. You become a seed of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3.29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children. And the Greek word is, again, is seed. And you are heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Thirdly, when you make God your friend, not only do you become a seed of Abraham, and not only do you receive covenant blessings, you become an heir of God. Romans 8 says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, 
If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. So we are adopted into the family of God. We are heirs of God, and as such, we've been adopted into his family. We have a wonderful inheritance. What does it mean to be an heir? Well, to be an heir, you are an heir usually because of relationship. You're in relationship to, uh, to the individual that is, uh, is bequeathing the, uh, the estate to you, if you will. And if one is a son or daughter, then he's an heir. Because you're, all that is part of the father is now part of your estate too. Also, one of the benefits of being an heir, being a child of God, is you have access into the presence of your father. Praise God. So you can access the father. If I'm in my office and I'm studying, my children, my wife, my family have access. They don't have to go through a secretary to get in. They just barge right on in. Amen. And I look up and, and think, well, why are you interrupting this man of God in this great sermon, you know, that I'm in? But it's family. Amen. They have access, you know. And uh, uh, because that comes with the territory. Not only that... Not only do you have access into the presence of the Father, you have access to the Father's resources. My children can come and go in my house as they please. They don't even have to ring the doorbell, and they don't. They just barge in. I mean, they just come in without asking. Some of them, without even warning us that they're coming. They can go right to the refrigerator, right to the pantry. They can have anything in there. Amen. Not you, but my kids. They have access to all of my tools in the garage, Reg. Now let me qualify that. As long as they bring them back and put them back where they found them. And all the men said, Amen. The point is, everything that is mine is available to them by choice. And, and, and how much my children experience what is mine is limited only by their choice or by the wisdom of their father. Sometimes we don't ask. Or sometimes we do ask and the father knows in his wisdom... That we have asked amiss. That what we're asking for really wouldn't be for our good. See, you don't give your child a hundred dollar bill and say, go into the candy store and just get anything you want. Sweetie. That's for grandparents to do, not parents. They don't do that. Because the father knows you don't need that. Amen. Okay, moving on. An heir can carry also the use of the family name. I remember back home, I got pulled over by a local cop one time. He wanted to see my driver's license. He saw my name. And my name is the same as my daddy's name. He said, Marcus Alexander. He said, uh, young man, is your daddy the, the evangelist, the preacher who can quote so much of the word? I said, yes, sir. He sure is, sir. Hello, sir. <laughs> he says, well... Said, I've heard him preach. He's a wonderful man of God. You have a nice day, son. Now slow down. Amen. 
Yes, sir, I will slow down. And I did for a little while. Amen. Amen. In his county, for sure. Amen. But the point is, you can use the family name. Now, in many scriptures, they were given to us in Philippians chapter 2. It said that Father God has highly exalted Christ and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. In John 14, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In the next chapter, John 15, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give it you. In the next chapter, John 16, Jesus said, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say unto you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Friends, because of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, through believing in him, putting our faith in him, we have access to the family name. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We can invoke the power of the name of Jesus Christ. God desires that we know and receive and experience all that is ours as heirs, so much so that, uh, that He has given us the Holy Spirit to make certain that we do not neglect or we do not lose or do not remember, do not know how to appropriate what is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. John 16 again says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it unto you. Jesus says that. Whatever is mine, He's going to declare it unto you, that you have it too. You have authority too. You have power too. What's mine? All things the Father has are mine. I have all the authority of the Father, and I'm giving it to you. But the Holy Spirit is the one who's telling you about it. Oh, praise God. He's going to declare it to you. Amen. Which leads us to the last one. All that is the Father's in Christ is Christ in all, and we are joint heirs with Christ. Romans again says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and of children heirs. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. Amen. This verse in the message paraphrase reads thus. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are. He's the Father, we're the children. We know we're going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. Praise God. We go through exactly what Christ goes through if we go through the hard times with Him. Then we're certainly going to go through the good times with Him. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful you're an heir of Christ? Praise God. Are you learning how to move from just being a believer to being a friend? Praise God. The musicians are coming now. And I'm just stopping because we're running out of time. 
The Lord wants to say these words, Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And your descendants will possess the gates of your enemies. Oh, praise God. That's a promise He made to Abraham, who was a friend of God. And if we will prove ourselves to be a friend of God, the Lord will bless us, and He will make us, uh, multiply us, and we will possess the gates of our enemies as well. So the question is not, is God your friend? No. The question is, are you a friend of God? You can be. You can be a friend of God. It's not something that you just choose to do one time. No, it's a lifetime of walking daily in relationship with the Lord. It's something that grows and develops in your heart and is developed in time. But if you believe Him and you obey Him, James said, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was called... The friend of God. You too can be a friend of God. If you'll do what Abraham did. He believed God. Have you believed God? Have you asked God to come into your heart? Jesus to come into your heart? Have you asked Him in? If you haven't, then that's where you start. Talk to God. and Invite His presence into your heart. Amen. And then here are several things. And I'm closing with this. Again, those seven things. I remind you. Here's the question. What is the Lord asking you to do today? To become his friend. What is the Lord asking you to do to become his friend? See, a friend spends time with him. Hello? Is the Lord speaking to your heart? I need to spend more time with him. Not only that, but the Lord recognizes the sound of his friend's voice. Will he recognize your voice? Because you've been talking to him and praising him and worshiping him? I hope so. Can the Lord trust you? A friend gives without expecting to receive. Are you bringing your offering of praise to the Lord? Not expecting anything from the, to receive. You're just praising God because you love Him. A friend will always be available. Your priorities. Is He first place in your life? A friend will not hesitate to respond to your call. When you call on the Lord, will He answer? When He calls on you, will you answer? Oh, that's the real question. Finally, a friend is willing to sacrifice everything to the Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, through this message today. You've spoken a word to our hearts. I've gone a little over what I normally go over in time, Lord, but I felt like it was a timely...